Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Um, Thank you for the offering that you make to us. Um, We thank you for the offering of eternal life, of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you invite us um, to be part of this story. You invite us to be part of this mission. So may we continue to grow in that understanding and how we think about you and your ways and how we think about your mission. And may our thoughts transform our actions in what we do and how we engage and are aware of you each and every day of our lives. So Lord, bless us with your presence this morning as we dig into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning in confirmation class, we talked about parables a little bit. And the idea of a parable, you see Jesus using those in the New Testament. Uh, The idea of a parable is that these stories, they do more than just give us an answer, right? You know, Jesus could just say, do this, and people would maybe take that authority and do it, and maybe not. Maybe they wouldn't understand why, so they wouldn't do it. So Jesus often teaches in parables so that uh, we have this wrestling. We, We get to think about the story. We have to discern something, and then hopefully we arrive at a truth, and because we had that journey, that struggle, that challenge to think about what he was really saying, we should have a deeper understanding at the end of that parable than what we did at the beginning. And, and then what we did if somebody just said, do this. Now, same thing as a pastor, right, with a sermon series like Joining Jesus on His Mission. I could say, this is Jesus' mission, go do it, right? It would be really simple, it would be a really short sermon, and you could all just go home, and you might be okay with that. I don't know. But the point of this material that we've been on this whole fall is that we would wrestle with it a little bit, that we would... Um, think differently, maybe think more simply about this story that we're a part of in the family of God. And that those thoughts, as they transform, as, as we begin to better understand God's heart for his people and the simplicity of what he is inviting us into, maybe just maybe we'll act differently. It'll transform our behavior and our actions. Just like parables were meant to challenge what you thought about something and then, by extension, what your actions about that same thing would do. You see that in the Good Samaritan, and we've talked about that parable before, but briefly, this man is on the road, he gets beaten, the the priest walks by, doesn't give him the time, the Levite walks by, but the Samaritan stops and shows compassion. And the original question for that parable was what? It was, who is my neighbor? Who do I need to tend to and who don't I have to tend to? And Jesus changes the question. He says, who was being the neighbor to that person in need. And that's really what Jesus is asking us in joining Jesus on his mission and this whole thing. Are we being the neighbors to those whom Jesus loves around us? So we're going to recap a little bit today and and look at a couple of the main themes that we've talked about that have kind of woven through. You know the scriptures we have this morning, one of those you've seen a couple times in this series. Uh, One of them you've seen once other for sure, but... We want to wrap it all up today. And uh, some of the main themes, one of the first things that came to my mind is that Jesus clearly invites his followers to join him. This isn't something that Jesus says, you're saved, sit contently until you die while I go do work. Uh, Jesus is going to do work, yes, but Jesus invites all who follow him to be a part of that kingdom work here on this earth. Uh, We don't just get to know the story and have our lives not be changed. We get to know the story and then become a part of the story in Jesus Christ. 
And we're a part of this mission. Jesus' mission is one of bringing the gospel to the world, one of shining the light in the darkness, one of life, one of relationship, one person at a time. And many of us have experienced that gospel ourselves, and we know the value of the gospel being shared because somebody has shared it with us first, or else we wouldn't be here having this conversation. So how do we know what Jesus' mission is? We talked about that. We better understand Jesus and his mission, and we better hear his voice, and we better see where he is moving when we are in God's word. That was one of our big main takeaways. Remember, we have the Bible. Every single one of us has access to it and can read it, so let's use it. Let's not take it for granted. Let's let the word of God shape our understanding of God and how we live. Let's let it change how we think and what we do accordingly. And in all this, we learn to love the people that Jesus loves. We learn to love the people that Jesus loves. We learn to hang out with and spend some time with the people that Jesus loves. And we learn to listen and we look for opportunities to share the reason for our hope, for our faith, and for our love. And so today I want to frame and recap this wrap-up here um, in terms of one word, and that word is priorities. Our priorities. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, it is important that we build our lives on the truth of God's word and of God's priorities. We should not be building our life on what we think the Bible says about A, B, and C, but we should actually read it and better understand what God says about A, B, and C, and then build our lives on those priorities. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. Study it and learn it for yourselves. Jesus' priorities should take precedence over our priorities. And as we grow in him, hopefully those things become to align, and our priorities become Jesus' priorities as well. So as we end our series about joining Jesus on his mission, let's uh, recap a few of the main scriptures and what they tell us about priorities and how we order and structure our life as Christians. So priorities are important if we're going to follow Jesus on his mission. One area that we need priorities is in what we seek. And this passage has showed up two or three times already in our series, but I'm going to read it for you one more time because educators say that repetition matters. Because it does. Matthew 6, 25 and on. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field as they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day of its own trouble. Yeah, right? Every day has its own troubles. 
and our anxiety for those things. We, we learn anxiety in our culture. We're encouraged to be anxious because it changes our behavior on any certain area or topic. But seeking God is far better than becoming consumed with anxiety about things that God has already promised to take care of. And it's even more important to seek God rather than what the world wants. It's to seek his kingdom, not what the world wants. The world wants you to seek power and money and status and security and all these other things. And those things deceive us from joining Jesus on his mission. So if we're joining Jesus on his mission, we are seeking first his kingdom, his word, his love, his truth, his direction for our lives. And Jesus takes all the pressure off of us knowing that it is his power and it is his work that is doing the saving. And we're participants. We join him. We're partners. He invites us along as brothers and sisters in Christ. So what are we seeking? Do we know? Do we even know what we're seeking? Have we ever asked that question? What are we seeking? How are our priorities structured in our lives? Would those priorities show that we are seeking first the kingdom of God, or would they show that we're seeking after something else? And once we know what God desires, are we willing to engage and do it? So that's one priority, how we seek. Another priority is how we relate to others. The prominence that those people that Jesus loves, what place do they have in our life? 1 Corinthians 13 is the passage for this one because it speaks to an important truth, I think, that we haven't touched on yet in this series. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. And these three things remain, Paul writes. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So why this passage today? I think it's important to talk about the love that under, underpins and is the foundation of all of this stuff and all of the doing that we have in the body of Christ. This church in Corinth, they were getting pretty high on themselves because they had some gifts and they were getting flashy and they were essentially worshiping the gifts that God had given them rather than God himself. And they were using those gifts in a way that was not love-based as they knew the love of Christ. And so this passage is in the message today because it's not about our gifts. It's not about our talents. It's not about our fluency. 
Now, our gifts should be used with humility, yes. But we need to understand, we can't impress somebody to know Jesus with our skill or gifts. We can't wow them into the kingdom of God. It's not about us at all. It's about Jesus working. It's about Jesus' mission and joining him. And so this scripture reminds us of this. And so all of the fears that we have when it comes to relating to other people, especially those who don't know Jesus, those outside of the church, those whose lives look very different than our lives, most of the fears that we have in those areas are ill-founded because the conversation isn't about us, our gifts, or our ability to be a gifted orator. It's really not about that. The conversation is about God's love, God's grace, the work of the Holy Spirit, as we see lived out in the gospel. It's our story, is what it's about, because our story is part of God's story. And every single person in this room has a story to tell. And so, in relating to others and getting to know the people that Jesus loves, we remember where all of the power lies. And that we are simply there to love the people that Jesus loves, to relate to them, to tell our stories, and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this, this last thing is really important. Whether a person is moved or not by our genuine love and our sharing of our stories, whether they're moved or not by that, that is not up to us. That is the work of God and the Holy Spirit. But faithfully joining Jesus on his mission means that we're willing to share our stories and show godly love whether they're moved by it or not. So faith, hope, and love. If we live this out well as we relate to others, then we will be joining Jesus on his mission in a successful way. And the last priority out of the three that I picked today, priorities in how we grow. How do we grow into the wonders of God? How do we grow to better understand and embody and live out the heart of God as we live our lives? And we came back to our Psalm 84 passage for this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, it even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, even the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And again, Psalm 84 paints this picture of dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Growing in Christ, growing in our understanding of Jesus' mission. I hesitate to use the word require, but I'm going to use it. It's going to require something of us. It's going to require that we make an effort to know him more. Again, we have God's word in front of us. We have access to it. It's going to require that we don't stop our spiritual growth with baptism, that we don't stop our spiritual growth with confirmation. Those things are beginnings of life in Christ. They're not the end. They're not the arrival. We have a life of growth to, 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 to pursue and to experience in the wonders of God and his truth. So it's going to require that we die to our own desires. This is the part we really don't like require that we, we die to our own desires and that we learn to, le learn to live by his desires. We die to ourselves daily, take up our cross, and follow 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's what growing in Christ looks like. And so as I implored you a few weeks ago, we get to know Jesus by dwelling with Jesus. We get to know God by dwelling in the presence of God. And he has graciously and lovingly chosen to dwell with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, are we aware of it? I'm talking about more than an occasional emotional awareness, right? Emotional awarenesses are good. Uh, Sometimes if we hear a really good song or we hear a powerful scripture, we're moved. We're emotionally moved by it, and that is awesome. I saw a good quote this week. Uh, I wasn't able to find it. I don't know who it came from, but it was something like this. Experiencing the presence of God and being in the presence of God are different things. In the times when we feel his presence the least, God is often doing the most work in and around us. Let me read that again. Experiencing the presence of God, those emotional experiences, and being in the presence of God are two different things. In the times when we feel his presence the least, God is often doing the most work in us or around us. So dwelling with God is not just about an emotional experience. Our faith is not built on our ability to emotionally feel God's presence in our life, although that's great, and we encourage that, and we seek that outright, because it's important. It reminds us of his presence, but just because we're not reminded in the moment of his presence doesn't mean that he has not promised to be present. So dwelling with God is not just about emotional experience, it's about trusting in his presence in any season, in any circumstance, and it is about learning how to be mindful of his truth and his love and his promises at any given time in our lives. And dwelling is a very practical concept. Just as I dwell in a Tolkien novel to better understand and experience the story, so also we dwell in God's story, in the Bible, in the scriptures, to better understand God's love and redemption. And we dwell in prayer to better cultivate our communication to and from God. We learn to better hear his voice. And we dwell in community with each other, sometimes in this building, sometimes in living rooms, sometimes On the sideline of the soccer field, we dwell in community with each other as we share this common faith and mission to join Jesus in his work and redemption in this world. So dwelling is very practical. We all do it. So how are we going to dwell intentionally with God and with his truth? And how are we going to dwell intentionally with those whom Jesus loves? Because this dwelling, this is actually what we were created for. It's our purpose. It's how we are hardwired is to have that connection with our Lord and Savior. And it it is the only pathway that leads to abundant life. Jesus has offered no other way, no other truth, no other life than himself. So this leads us into Advent here. Advent is one of those church seasons where it's about being mindful, right? Just like Lent makes us mindful of Jesus' path to the cross and the sin that led him there. Advent is a season where we are trying to be more mindful of how significant it is that the Son of God came to dwell with us. That God did not stay distant, that God was not distant. Rather, God was a God who stepped down into the world, into the mess, into the crummy situations of everybody's life, and he resided there. He moved into the neighborhood, 
And so this Advent, our theme is God is with us. Allison shared that earlier. And we're going to focus on this idea of God's presence, his dwelling with us in life circumstances. Um, the Holy Spirit never leaves us alone. And so in this season, we want to reaffirm the truths of God's promised presence, no matter what we might be dealing with in our lives. Uh, we're going to celebrate some of the promises that we get to live into as followers of Jesus because of the events of the birth of Christ. And so I encourage you as we head into this Advent season, as we take all of these conversations we've had with joining Jesus over the last few months, I want to encourage you today to examine your priorities. Examine your priorities. Are they built on the priorities of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And I want to encourage you to seek what you are called to seek. To relate to others as you've been called to relate to others. To continue growing as you have been called to grow. Ever experiencing a deepening truth that God is in fact with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Um, however many times I hear the reminder that you are with us, that you promise this, um, it means something every time I hear it, Lord. And I hope um, that's the same for those here today, Lord. We, we, pray, um, we pray that you would help us to grasp the meaning, the importance of this truth that you are with us. On this mission, you are with us. In our brokenness, you are with us. In our loneliness, you are with us. And in any other circumstance that we have in life, God, you are promising. You have promised to be with us. You dwell with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And you comfort us with your voice, your word, and your presence. Today, Lord, may we find encouragement. May we find encouragement that... Um, speaks to any fears or misgivings we have about following you in your mission. Lord, would you give us the courage to engage with the world around us in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you help us to think of just real down-to-earth practical ways to do so. Not that it all happens overnight, Lord, but that each of us has a step or two or three that we can take um, to follow you and to join you on your mission. Lord, we, we love you and we praise you um, for all that you've led us to and taught us in this season. And we pray, God, that you would continue to grow us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen.